Welcome to Friday. This is Freight's Great Variety Show. I'm Dooner, and that's Michael Vincent, the dude. How are you? Oh, I'm doing great, man. It is Friday afternoon. It's beautiful outside. We're in the heart of Freight Alley. What could be better? Well, speaking of taking the L, right? Well, not the, the, the L in Alley. After an opening day win last year, right? The Jaguars said they wouldn't settle for 1-0. No, they and s- they didn't. They haven't. They've since lost 19 games they in a row. They went for 1-19. It was the most beautiful 12 I've ever seen. <laughs> Bad karma, man. It's bad karma from buildup from urban leaving a couple places, stuff like that. Yeah. Maybe it just doesn't translate. Some people just don't translate. Transfusion, Bobby Petrino, he left in the middle of the Falcons season. It's exactly right. Yeah. Poor Blight, she's probably work. tuning in too. I saw on Twitter, she said, hey, this is a uh, this is a can't miss episode. And we started off right away by bashing her Jaguars. So sorry about sorry that. Sorry about that, Blight. You know what I got to say, though? Their quarterback there, Spicoli, he, he had some swagger on the sideline. <laughs> he didn't look like a lost deer, even though, you know, the world's falling apart around him. No, he looked like he was doing well. It's The problem is Mr. Hand on the sideline, maybe. Well, hey, there's been a lot of articles about the global shipping crisis, and now another link in the supply chain is feeling the tension. Check this out right here. Look at that. It says a shortage of shipping container stock photos threatens supply chain of supply chain articles. <laughs> Brilliant meme right there by Hard Money. I wish I came up with it myself. Great job, guys. That's fantastic. And yes, we've all seen those pictures ad nauseum. Yeah, it is awesome. Sounds like a start of, uh, you know, uh, opportunity. Well, and we'll just look Doesn't at what's it? happening with labor shortages. So we talk yeah. about labor at the ports and the warehouses. Yeah. Well, look at the wedding photographer industry. Yeah. So many wedding photographers won't shoot your wedding anymore because they're too busy standing in the port of L.A. taking pictures of containers lined up. I'm telling you, let's start something, man. Sooner <laughs> in a dude's photography, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, gender reveal parties, weddings, port congestion. If you combine them, 10% off. Hey, Freight News has been humming along because of the global shipping crisis. It's been major. And on today's show, we want to shine a light on the reporters that help keep you informed. They provide a lot of content to this show, especially in our news section. We, And also, one of the reasons, too, is one thing that you need to know about Freight Waves is we often convert people here. You and I, we come from the operations side, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. the point of the show is for, uh, for students who want to know more about journalism, for people who are curious at meeting some of their favorite authors from within the site and how they cover the stories. We're going to get into how investigative works, how editorial works, um, how uh, AI and automotive works with Alan Adler, and mm-hmm. uh, even how launching a brand works with Modern Shipper and Brian Strait, who also was the foundation for FreightWaves.com. So there's a ton ah, yes. of stuff that we're going to get into. Before we get there, let's tip the bag. And though, autonomous trucks are coming with a huge potential windfall. If you're ready to seize it, start re-engineering your supply chain for autonomy today. Contact Locomation at Locomation AI for a turnkey solution. Now, headlines, let's get to them. Love it. What's going on in the world of supply chain today? Probably more chaos. Let's take a picture. Let's take a look at what's going outside of the end gate at the Port of LA. Throw that one up there. There we go. Look at that. That's a two-mile line two-mile-long line to get into the in-gate, meaning to get into the port just to get containers and return those containers they have and those chassis and all those kind of things. My buddy Gio Mars, he works on the ground there over the port. He's been doing an amazing job on Instagram chronicling some of what's been happening over there. Check him out, G-O underscore Mars TV on Instagram for more uh, crazy picks that are going on over there. And also this morning, I saw, according to the Wall Street Journal, so you're seeing all those cars lined up, and you notice yeah. it's at daytime. What happened to 24-7 port operations, Michael Vincent? Well, 
Turns out not a single container has moved out of the port of LA in the past two weeks since they launched this initiative. Uh, TTI chief executive Bill Parrott, he said to the Wall Street Journal, so far we've had zero deliveries. And they're saying, you know, there are stringent confines for getting within the terminal. Um, and I think the communication is something we brought up when this first happened, communicating to the carriers that they can get in there, what the availability is, what the time yeah. slots are. And so far, that doesn't seem like that's been communicated well enough. It doesn't seem like it is either. And looking at the, the hours of service that are there and the changes that were made, it doesn't appear that they're all that far from 24 hours already. It's like three or four hours during the night or middle of the night, 3 a.m. to 7 a.m. that seems to be the biggest thing, right? And changing that little bit for carrier stuff can be difficult to do. I asked Geo. So you can, I mean, yeah. you can ask all like the port experts you want, but I'd rather talk to the person who actually sees this sure, stuff happen. Sure, yeah, the guy who's the driving the trucks, the guy who's out there. He said it's only getting worse. He sees this sure. stuff every day, and it's getting even worse out there, so... Here's headline one, pick your bottleneck. Ports, chassis, container, labor, they're all tying together. The most recent metrics from the port of Los Angeles show supply chain constraints are still hovering near record levels, a trend that is expected to carry into 2022. During a monthly update, Gene Soroka, he's the port's executive director, also a keynote speaker at Oceanways, October 6th. Don't miss that one. Uh, that's, I believe that's Wednesday of next yeah, week. Live at FreightWaves.com to register. He said that significant volume is still headed on our way throughout this year and into 2022. So not going to unwind anytime soon. No, it certainly isn't. As of mid-September, dwell time for containers at terminals was six days, the highest since the volume surge began more than a year ago, my friend. On-dock rail wait time was 11.7 days compared to the recent peak of 13.4 days, so near that, that peak, as four times the average number of containers are waiting to be loaded onto rail cars. The port's pool of pools chassis, uh, which are jointly managed by Direct Chassis Link Incorporated DCLI and other and two other intermodal equipment providers, were waiting 8.5 five days and that's wow. the recent peak on the street for space to open at the warehouse as disruptions continue to at every node i mean it's it's a backup man it's terrible it is and it keeps compounding and it keeps getting worse so you know stay tuned to freightwaves.com for more details on that here's a bad story we we, we cover way too often is ransomware attacks well there was a yeah. ransomware attack on forward air that may have exposed employee data mm. our reporter nate tabak has a story on that you can read the full thing at freightwaves.com but he says the devastating ransomware attack that hit forward air corp and this was last year this was in december may have exposed sensitive personal information of current and former employee data uh, tennessee-based firm it sent a letter to the general offices in at least four states of california vermont montana yeah. in New Hampshire on September 24th, so just about a week ago, as it began notifying the affected people. And this is some of the stuff that was lost. We had social security numbers, driver's license, bank account, and passport numbers, all of which um, could have been subject to unauthorized access for those employees. Yeah, they didn't explicitly refer to the December ransomware attack, but it talks about uh, forward systems and operations and suspicious activity that was uncovered yeah. and potential data leak uh, during suspicious, or during. Uh, December 15th, on and around about the exact same time. Well, it sounds like they have good reason to believe that, that something occurred here. They would, like you pointed out earlier, yeah. you, you wouldn't report that unless you thought something happened. I would think right? so. Yeah. I would think so. And, you know, for those, I mean, that's, that's incredibly sensitive data. I mean, that's like identity theft level data. You're talking about passport, social security, banking account information. Not cool. I would be a little bit nervous if I was impacted by that one. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly would be as well.
Here's an interesting story, too. You talk about from bad to worse to whatever. Lordstown Motors may sell its plant to Taiwan's Foxconn for $230 million. Alan Adler, he'll be on the show later. He has a story on this one. Taiwan's Foxconn would pay Lordstown Motors uh, $230 million to purchase the massive 6.2 million square foot assembly complex it acquired from General Motors in LMC if it agrees um, to make Foxconn the contract maker for its electric pickup truck. The non-binding agreement, which you know, is always skeptical, was announced last Thursday. A definitive <laughs> agreement is expected by October 31st So today, so happy Halloween trick-or-treat. According to the Wall Street Journal, it would allow LMC to keep certain components and intellectual property from the company's work together uh, on the endurance and future electric vehicle programs as well. So they're going to fund it, but they want the IP. Yeah, absolutely they yeah. do. And Foxconn also would purchase $50 million in Lordstown shares directly from the company at $6.89 per share. Share closed Thursday at 8 point, or yeah, shares closed yesterday, Thursday at 8.42% higher at $7.98. They were up an additional 7% in after hours trading as well. The deal closes as expected next April. Lordstown Motors would issue warrants for 1.7 million additional shares to Foxconn that it would uh, exercise over the next three years at ten fifty dollars a share. So this might be what they need to do. I'm not long on it, I'll, no? and I'll tell you why. For two reasons. For yep. one, Foxconn, they made big promises to Wisconsin. They still haven't built their factory over there. Oh, okay. Nowhere even close to what they promised. Lordstown Motors, they got blown up by the Hindenburg. There about phony orders and those kind of things. So I'm yeah. staying away from, uh, from, from that investment. Okay. <laughs> In particular. We are not financial advisors. <laughs> but you know, we're going to talk. No, we're not, that's not financial advice. This, no. is, this is just straight from, uh, from Dooner here, right what on. I would be doing or right not on, be doing. Right um, here's the gentleman here, Mike McAllister. He's the editor-in-chief at FreightWaves. He is the man at the top who decides, you know, what stories live and die on FreightWaves, what headlines click, and uh, what copies sing. So he's joining us right now. He came to us from ESPN. I hear those guys have all the fun is that true mike uh yeah we had uh we had some fun there so i remember our christmas party one year uh we had chaka khan which you know probably dates me because that's been a while ago but uh yeah a lot of fun you know talking sports all day you can't uh you can't beat that no you absolutely can't how are things down there in saint augustine is that where you're at right now I am. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, watching the Jaguars last night, uh, not too good, but, uh, Oh, and four, um, mm. and, uh, and, uh, one of our daughters, uh, goes to Florida state, uh, they're, uh, Oh, and four, I think. So, uh, some pretty bad football right now. Ooh, well, Mike, man, tell us tough. what does an editor in chief for freightwaves.com and in the freight industry do? What is, uh, what's your day to day and how do you make sure freightwaves.com runs the way it does? Well, you know, obviously with my sports background, um, uh, you know, I didn't come to Freightways with subject matter, but I do know a, a journalist and uh, have three decades of experience as a, as a journalist. It's really the only thing I ever wanted to do. My dad was a journalist. And so uh, uh, it's been fun to, uh, uh, to work with them. Uh, you know, it's, I remember somebody told me early on that uh, uh, that uh, it's like herding cats, right? Well, fortunately, I like cats, right? And uh, and I and I love journalists, and so uh, uh, you know, I try to talk to everybody uh, at least once a week. We have between fifteen and twenty uh, writers and uh, producers and editors, and uh, you know, it's 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 funny. I think sometimes my role is as a sounding board. Uh, sometimes my role is. Uh, uh, as a, uh, I don't know, as a counselor, uh, a lot of time my role is as a complaint department. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I have to handle that. And, uh, but, uh, uh, but it's great. I think that part of that is, is, you know, managing 
our great staff and uh and also too i think part of the my job is to consume all the great content that we have on freight waves and and hopes of you know, uh, you know, making it better or, you know, making decisions based on what we want to do for the future. And we have such great content. I tell you guys, you know, between 30 pieces of story or 30 stories a day, all the video, all the podcasts, white papers. I mean, that's a, it's, it's tremendous. I I'm continually impressed by the amount of content that we have. Well, and Mike, so, I don't mean uh, to interrupt you here, but I want to, I just got to interject with a couple things. First, good, you know, a bunch of your other reporters are on the show today. So good thing you said you like cats because <laughs> the cats are, the cats are in the, are out of the cage on this show today. And now I picture on your desk, you have a grenade with like, take one on, on the pin for a uh, complaint department. <laughs> <laughs> like that. And Mike, Hey, listen, and welcome to the show. I'm glad to have you on here and talk to you about this type of stuff, because what intrigues me is the fact that yes, we do have great content and, and yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm here and I'm buying but we actually do have great content. How do you keep that going? How do you keep that constant flow going there? There's ups and downs, right? Sometimes you wake up and there's just no news today, but it seems like we've always got those inside stories. How do you do that? Well, I, it's all credit to the writers, really. I mean, uh, they are continuing to dive into stories and, and you're right. I mean, some days are are not as exciting as others, but, uh, you know, I, as I said, I'm continually impressed by what they're able to uncover. And if they're, you know, if they're not, if there's not any breaking news of the day, they're working on feature stories and we have a, uh, kind of a long form piece every day. It goes up at 7pm and uh, that's kind of one of the big prestige pieces of the day. And, uh, so they're working on that. They're working on ass wave stories. They're obviously appearing on, uh, uh various, other platforms and including yours and all the, and all the uh, summits that we have and all that. So, you know, they're super busy. And uh, so, but you know, really that's the exciting thing is you wake up every day and you don't know what's going to break. Right. And so, and when it does break, you jump head up it into it. And, uh, and that's, that's the fun part of journalism. Right. And, uh, and I'm always, you know, I feel like I'm very blessed to work with the staff that we have here. They're very passionate. I mean, you've got a lot of people on the show later on today, uh, you know, that are so passionate about what they do. And I'm glad that you're giving uh, them a, a little bit of appearances. Uh, uh, so. Well, absolutely. I mean, they, in our news section, they inform our audience um, three times a week. So, mm-hmm. uh, but one of the questions I get a lot too is like, how do you become a, a reporter for Freight Waves? How do you join the team and all of those kind of things? Mike, how do you how do you bring on new reporters? Now you came on to a great staff, but how do you look forward to, to build that team? Well, I you know it's a good question, Dooner. I uh, you know I as I said, I don't have the the subject matter, so you know I look. You know, I look for people that do right and people that are passionate to me, passion and experience also matters, you know, being able to put together a story. I mean, not everybody can write a story. Right. And uh, so there's a certain art to that. So, you know, people that might have a passion for a subject matter, but, you know, they don't know how to convey it uh, to the general public. And uh, so I think that's also important, too. Uh, You know, right now. You know, we don't have any openings. Uh, I hope, you know, that we will continue to build out our staff and, uh, you know, because I feel like we're, we're growing and, you know, there's so many things, uh, so many other areas that we could cover that, you know, I, I'd like to do more with just, uh, you know, uh, truckers and drivers in particular. I know it's it's not exactly a B2B type thing. It's more of a general thing. But, 
you know, I mean, I look at coming from a sports background, right? I, I think drivers are the athletes of our industry. That's the way I look at it. They're the ones that are the highest profile. Profile. They're out in the streets. Uh, and everyone has a story, right? And I want to know those stories. So, you know, we're looking to do some more things there, I think. And uh, uh, again, it's just, you know, we, we have a great staff and I just feel very blessed, uh, you know, to work with them. Now, Mike, now in the social media driven age, a lot of people, all they read is the headline. Headlines are, are very important. Yeah. They're what drives click through. There are a lot of times what drive stories. There are a lot of times what drive misinformation and misconceptions. So what is the role and responsibility of, of headlines and how do you make one that clicks? Well, it's a great question. So two months ago, uh, Eric Kulish wrote a story about a $32,000 container fee. I don't know if you remember that story, uh, but uh you know, we thought about writing a straight headline, right? Just kind of a down the middle of the road type headline. But then we said, well, you know, it's such an interesting angle to it. So we went with the headline to start out, are you shipping me? Right. And that story went up two months ago and it's still drawing traffic today. And I think, you know, Eric did a great job with the topic. It's, it was obviously very timely, uh, but I think, you know, the, the headline also, uh, helped uh, compel readers to click on the story, you know, because if you don't have a great head, you know, you can have the greatest head, uh, story in the world, but if you don't have a headline that draws in traffic, then, you know, not as many people are going to see it. And, uh, and really uh, that headline, if you remember uh, a little bit of a shout out to you guys, because we used the same punctuation sequence that uh, you guys use on what the truck. So uh, thanks for that. I appreciate it. It's always <laughs> nice to, the steel and I there, but, uh, but yeah, it's a, it, it's a conversation that we have every day about headlines about, you know, there's, there's a balance between, do you want to, do you want to go straight forward? Do you, do you want to, you don't want to go to clickbaity, right? You want to mm -hmm. avoid that. Uh, but, uh, you know, sometimes the plain vanilla is, is the way to go, but sometimes it isn't. So we're constantly talking about headlines you know, the best way to, to write those, how to be creative. There's certainly an art to those, just like there's an art to writing stories. Uh, you have to be cognizant of the SAO, SEO uh, implications, too. And, uh, you know, I remember when I was working at the PJ Tour, uh, which was my immediate previous job before I came to Freight Waves. I mean, we could guarantee a story success simply by putting Tiger Woods in the headline. I mean, quite yeah. frankly, you know, it would have yeah. been that easy. Right. And so, but you know, if he's not a pertinent part of the story, it's unfair to the readers. And so, you know, you just have to weigh those decisions. Again, there's an art to writing headlines. My, my dad mm -hmm. was uh, an editor for a newspaper and he wrote headlines and uh, uh, you know, you can get just as much, fun and, uh, you know, feel good about what you're doing from a headline as you can with a story. So I'm sure all those New York Post guys are probably like that. So they have fun yeah, with their headlines. Yeah, yeah. yeah. headlines should just say Tiger Woods and then talk about air, new aeration technology. Shipping crisis, <laughs> comma, Tiger Woods um, on scene. Yeah, on there scene you go. LA. <laughs> exactly. Hey, send Mike to the Wheel of Stupid Questions. Oh, oh, send him to the Wheel of Stupid Send him to the Wheel of Stupid Questions. Spin right, the wheel, make the deal. Special, it's a special Jaguars edition, right. uh, given your affinity needs, for the Jaguars. Mike, you know what you need to launch an investigative report into if the wheel of stupid questions is rigged or not. Oh, all right. Give him the question. <laughs> I'm never going to let you know. I'll, all right. I'll get all Clarissa right. Paws on there. <laughs> yeah, get, oh, man. If she walks in your door, you got to look the other way. Who would, you, who would make a better head coach of the Jaguars right now, Urban Meyer or Keith Urban? Ooh. 
That's a good question. Uh, well, I've always been a, uh, he's married to Nicole Kidman, right? I think he may be. Sure. Why not? For the purposes of this question, we'll say yes. Does that make someone a better football coach? Uh, well, I. Yeah, well, I, I kind of like the uh, the uh, national anthem, uh, at least if she's uh, if she's uh, well, she's not a singer, right? She's an actress. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'll go with uh, I'll go with Keith Urban because Urban Meyer is 0 4 right now. So. Well, yeah, well, he's, oh, he's 1 19, 19 actually, actually yeah. and I think that anybody would accidentally Keith maybe Urban win. Accidentally got to win. <laughs> hey, Mike, thank you so much. Keep up the good work being a, <clears throat> an editor and chief. Thank you very much for your time. He mentioned Clarissa Halls. Maybe she will investigate the Wheel of Stupid Questions. She's the senior editor here, investigative and enterprise at FreightWaves. The first time I met her was like right when I got here. I was uh, dropped uh, dropped out of an airplane in um, Lordstown. You know, we we're talking about Lordstown Motor Did you? Story. Did it, you yeah. parachute down or what? No, it was a Falcon story. I don't know. I just was. You said I, you were dropped out of an airplane. I was called by our old editor in chief oh. in the middle of the night and was told to go out there in the morning. And I and I went out. And I'm like, what am I supposed to do? He's like, I don't know. Go. I don't know. Get go some there. sights and sounds. Just so, go there. I don't know. I interviewed, <laughs> but it was a really tough story. A lot of drivers. It was almost like the, it was almost like the Celadon one. Maybe not even a, as big as Celadon. Those were two big ones that happened in that oh, no year. Kidding. But right. a lot of drivers were uh, confused, had lost their jobs at the time. But she's here with us now, and she tells the hard story. You know, mm-hmm. some people have it easy. Uh, you know, like Mike, he just wants to talk about Tiger Woods, but she deals with the real issues, right? Clarissa? Yes. And I remember our time, our first story together, and um, you did a great job. There you go. You did as well. It was was a great (laughs) way. Hey, Clarissa, uh, introduce yourself to the audience. How did you get over to Freight Waves and into the investigative journalism beat? Well, since 2006, um, I've covered the trucking industry, and I first got a break when I worked for Landline magazine. Um, the publication for the Owner-Operator Independent Drivers Association. And I had an editor-in-chief then, like Mike McAllister now, who kind of let me lean into the stories and chase down leads and and just spend time on the phone finding out more information. Because I always want to know why. You know, I... I'm not good with the one-off stories that maybe will get you a lot of page views. I want to know everything about it. And so, Mm. um, you know, I've been fortunate um, that that I can do that, that I've been given that opportunity. So, Clarissa, welcome to the program, and, and thanks for being on today. This is really interesting stuff because you, you're talking about you got to have that that um, that that curiosity, right? We talk about intellectual curiosity and business curiosity. You've got that insatiable curiosity to want to know everything that went in behind it, and you're driving for that. When you get those facts and start publishing that, how do you keep going after that hard story? How do you keep? We joke about it. if you see Clarissa Hawes walking up to your door, you're you're in trouble, right? But for how sure. do you avoid that and actually still get in and get the stories, right? I mean, you you keep you're like got to be the Teflon Don or something, right? <laughs> and they call me the bad news bear, you know, right? The black um, widow afraid so, I've heard as well, you know, like that. But I try not to be, you know, I. But I think it's that people trust, you know me to tell their stories you know Mm -hmm. over the years i've developed a network of people that you know i know you know that they that they're on they're on to something it may not be completely you know there but you know i've had this network that is that are fantastic over the years that um send me little tips here and there and um trust me to tell the story and 
sometimes trust me to protect their identities when I'm working on these stories. And um, now you've so, got you like because you hit on scandals, right? You hit on bankruptcies, yeah. uh, improprietaries, all sorts of things. Do you ever get harassed over some of these things? Like, do you get nervous sometimes before you click publish and after you click publish? Has there ever been any sort of ramifications or anyone like that had an axe to grind afterwards? Well, I recently got a security system <laughs> only because, you know, some of the stories I do cover, um, you know, the, it's not hard these days to find out where you live. And, you know, so I have received um, some threats over the years and um, but uh, but I still feel the need and people always ask me that, but I still feel the need to tell the story that it is so important that people trust me with telling the story and hopefully that something will happen, you know, something will come out of it. And, yeah. and there is a, you know, your stories do cover both sides. I, I read all of them obviously. And, and, and they're great because they never come out to be uh, a, a, an obvious hit job, which you mm -hmm. can tell from some people, right? They're just not that. And I can see why your, your sources and the people trust you because you do an excellent job. But uh, Clarissa, what is the hardest story that you've ever uh, had to cover where you had to really keep I, cracking that nut to try and get it? Or just personally I think hard. anytime uh, you deal with a, a driver that's been killed, whether mm. it's in a crash or, a, you know, a homicide situation, those are the toughest ones. And, you know, and I always... You know, and, and to talk to family members and, and for them to tell me their stories and and want me to help them. And sometimes I can't, you know, sometimes I have a story that I think it's going on seven years that I still don't. We still don't aren't any closer to finding the mm. shooter and, you know, of a truck driver. And Ashley Baglin has been amazing person and always keeps me in the loop and we chat and, and, and then, you know, like a story that involved a truck driver that was in South Carolina trying to deliver a load of raw milk. Um, and he was forced, they wouldn't let, he arrived too early. And so they forced him to, to leave. And he parked in a lot, an empty gas station parking lot and he was killed for six dollars that uh -huh. he had in his wallet and those the people that um you know they were caught but it ended up um changing um a whole trucking you know law like on it's called jason's law and oh, yeah. it yeah. Yeah. deals Familiar. with truck parking yeah now, Clarissa, in, in dealing with this stuff, does this does this impact you at all? Like, do you have to have like a, a therapist? Uh, you, I mean, you're dealing you're dealing heavy stuff. And I was thinking about this the other day because I was watching Dateline, and I'm sitting there with like a ramekin of Sour Patch Kids, like watching this family talk about how like their family's like brutally murdered. You know, how yeah. They do, like those interviews, I would imagine, and, and I'm yeah. like, don't, and I'm like, I wonder what happens next. And I'm like, wait a second, like if that was my family, this would be so weird. Um, does it ever yeah. like does it ever weigh on you? Oh, I cry all the, you know, like when people are telling me their stories and they think, you know, I should be this hardened person that has, you know, there's nothing that I haven't heard. Um, yes, I'm ball right along with them, you know, because it could easily be a, one of my family members. And, and so I think that in my way of, I'm not the one that's gonna like, you know, be at your door and like, 
you know, yell out questions at you to you or anything. Yeah. It's the eating, the you know, and sympathizing and knowing that it could be easily be one of my family members yeah. or one of my children. So, Clarissa, let's take it the other side, because there are people out there watching this show that aspire to be the next Clarissa Haas, like Alan Adler. I'm sure he's watching, and he yeah. aspires to be the next Clarissa Haas. Uh, so what are, the, what are the most rewarding things out of it? I mean, there, there's tough times in every job, and yours, emotionally, that's got to be really tough sometimes. What is the most rewarding one? I think in, in, in finally, you know, like finding an answer, you know, like in helping in some way. And sometimes it's frustrating because I've covered the industry for 15 years. And sometimes I feel like I'm telling the same story over and over again and still waiting for, um, you know, a resolution. But I, I, I think there's so many, you know, just in giving a voice to truck drivers who may feel like they don't have one. I think that's the most rewarding part of my job. Yeah. Yeah. I hear it's like, for me, it's hard to pick like shows because you're constantly like, in that content cycle too. You're, yeah. you're constantly building some next thing and you're on your mission to do what you're trying to accomplish. Throw her to the wheel of stupid questions right. before we let her go. Let's All add right. some levity to this situation. All right. This is, uh, oh, new, no. this is oh, a new category we have, category we we have, have here. Okay. Oh, okay. It's dealer's choice. It's okay. dealer's choice. But we have to ask all the guests after this, the same one. Okay. Well, this, I actually saw this on on Ask Reddit this morning, and I thought it was a great one. It was, what would be a hundred times worse if it were invisible? Oh, dear. A hundred times worse. Deer, deer would be terrible. Invisible. You wouldn't be able to see them when you're driving yeah, your deer car deer would be road. bad. Deer That's a, a good, good answer. Deer, invisible deer would be really yeah. tough as a hunter. Yes. Can you imagine? Deer and then deer hanging it at, at like the head on the wall of taxidermist. That was a good one. That's but your keyboard would be terrible too, right? You wouldn't be able to write your stories. <laughs> <laughs> well thanks carissa we'll let you off the hook with that one um get her investigative reporting anytime you like at freightwaves.com and now we're going to go to um the sunshine to maybe her uh to her storm cloud is gray sharky who in the logbook <laughs> likes to focus on the positive she likes to accentuate the positive of what's happening in this business when she's not checking her domino's pizza tracker along with me yeah there you that go. would be a hundred times worse. you know she that, does that even when she doesn't order domino's if, if that was invisible that would be a hundred times worse the domino's yeah. pizza tracker the the greatest tracking technology of our generation i, I think you, i think anymore. we should be able to bet on it just to have a visibility of all pizzas moving and just bet on which ones are going to deliver first yeah well grace has a great story too because grace like us up here comes from the other side like many of you we yeah. were behind the desk we were in the operator's world Come getting the, the dark side real experience and now we translate that behind these microphones and she does it with her pen and ink and on uh i don't know if she uses a pen and ink I don't. She's not. Yet. I think it's she's like got an old Underwood type. She's got a quill and a lamp. A yeah, a quill lamp. and a lamp and a, yeah, an inkwell. <laughs> All right, hey, hey, Grace, what are you doing today? How are you? Hey guys, uh, you know, uh, clearly I'm uh, fangirling over Clarissa Hawes. Isn't she just absolutely great and absolutely just a gem? I, I've learned so much from her and the. I've done one or two investigative stories and I spent a day in her shoes and it, um, it's tough emotionally on you. So I jumped yeah. right back into business as soon as possible. That's for sure. 
No, I have so much respect because investigative is, is so hard. Like like me, I, I like talking like memes and recaps and, and jokes. You know, that's really easy. Uh, much easier than I think than it would ha- be odd to... if you were an investigative reporter. Some, some very interesting I would show things. up at your door, Michael Vincent, like this with my microphone in your face. Don't doubt me. Never doubt me. Yeah, you'd be hitting me the Never hard doubt questions. Me like, like... No, Grace, you came, like we said, you came from the world of operations. So how, was, how did you transition into reporting on freight? How did you come over to Freightways? This is the, for this segment, I want people out there to know who were in our position that might be like, you know, the shipping crisis is getting to me. It's too much. Not that I want people to leave the industry, but hey, if you've got a great mind and you understand this industry and you do understand the subject, no better home for you than Freightways. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, Dooner, you and I'd say Kevin Hill probably have the biggest influence on me being here today. Uh, I used to try to call into your show on Saturdays. I, I've honestly been a huge, in, my, in all of my interviews, I started off by explaining that I'm just, uh, I feel like I'm Freightwave's number one fan. I've been a, a huge fan of this uh, platform since it was really what in its blog days. I remember the first time that you guys had on camera and and I remember <laughs> Zach Strickland's first day on camera, which was hilarious. Um, and oh, I Zach think catching bullets. Time, He's not even here to, today. You were, <laughs> I, know, I mean, right? Zach was on camera back in 2018, old GoPro days at the old building. Yes, yes, yeah. I remember the GoPro. That's days. going back yeah, a while. And, yeah. And I, and you know, growing, I didn't go to school for this industry. So I really did rely on Freightways and trying to like further my education, try to figure out more about it so I could improve the operations of the brokerage that I was at and helping to grow. And um, you know, Kevin and, and yourself were always there to answer questions and, and be helpful and becoming a Sonar customer at some point as well. You know, you, you're able to learn so much stuff. And, you know, I think that personally, I, I love freight technology. I love technology just in general. And um, when I was making a transition in my career, um, I was talking with Ryan Schreiber, who we have on all the time, right? And and this is something that I kind of like deep down inside always wanted to do because I wanted to try to help people understand technology and what's good for them and what's not. And, and, and almost put it into more layman's terms that people could understand, just like Emma um, from uh, Business Insider when she was on a couple of weeks ago. I, I was watching that interview like, yes, this, that's why I'm here. And that's why I want to try to help these people who are in my positions from before understand what technologies for them and how they can implement that into their operations to just improve their business in general. Chris, let me ask you though, how did you get like, so I write the newsletter and I always get a little self-conscious before, um, you know, I send it in to, to, for, for draft and for editing and all of that stuff because um, I hadn't written in a while. And how did you get over that psychological hurdle of being afraid to, to sort of put yourself out there and, and put your writing out there? Uh, you know, honestly, uh, so I you know submitted a few articles before taking this job and, and got some nice feedback. I knew I already knew ahead of time that my grammar and that my style was going to be off. And I I'm I've always just been the type of person that's like, just pull the bandaid off. Just let's let's get this done. Let's let's move forward. Let's talk to whomever we need to talk to about getting better. I always just it being in operations, you know, and freight, like there's no walking around the uh, the customer when there's a problem. You're better off just telling them and, and moving forward. So I remember submitting like my first articles into editors, and it was just more of you know changing your mindset instead of saying like ah oh, this is gonna be terrible. They're gonna hate it, which. 
Um, ask him. I'm sure she, she would have great things to say about me. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm learning so much from them. So I flip it to look at these people are going to help me become a better writer. They're going to help me do what I want to do, which is express these thoughts and express how, you know, technology can improve your operations. And if, if I have to learn from every single editor and every single member on this team who I, who I have and, and just really appreciate their, their thoughts and their, and their opinions and how I can improve, um, then I'm just going to get better at delivering that message. So I've just never been that person who's kind of like afraid of it. I'd rather just go ahead and ask for forgiveness type of person. You know what I mean? Yeah, that doesn't shock me. She doesn't sound like she has a ton of those uh, those kind of fears. No, I, th- I yeah. think she moves on from things pretty yeah. quickly. I just get that sense about that. But she, and, but your point is exactly right. You, you, if you wait till you're perfect, you're never going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. You, you've got to go oh. for it and, and, and get it done. But but Grace, I love your stuff and I and I love your personality. I love I love having you on the show. It's it's always awesome. What is your favorite uh, or, or most meaningful story that you've done so far since you've made this the switch? So I will say that I do really love doing the logbook um, because it's like a change in like uh, adjustment of like writing. It's a little less formal and a little bit more fun. I feel like living more of Duner's life when I do that. But my favorite story I've ever done on the editorial side is honestly the story from like when I first started my first um, 7 a.m. story that I'm talking about earlier on the, the truck drivers that also do the video game simulations. Oh yeah. Um, Talking with those individuals. It's, it's why I love this industry. I think people, you know, they were very, it was, it was a group of gamers that I was talking to for three or four or five days in a row, right? Just about why they do what they do. Could this transition, could, could these people that play video games become truck drivers? And, you know, a lot of them were just like, uh, they they play the games because they don't like meeting new people. They don't feel comfortable. It's not that they don't like it, but they just don't feel comfortable in the setting. And that's com- the complete opposite of my personality. So it was just like really eye opening to see this these truck drivers who who like driving because it's like their own little world and and how that matched with the video gaming. And it was, I mean, I still talk with a few of them here today, and it, that was just like a really fun story that also just reminded me of how many different people are in this industry and how many different personalities and, and how many people it takes to make everything move. So that right, was a, a really love it. Grace, <laughs> check out logbook from her before we let you go. We got to give you the locked in wheel of stupid questions. So it is what would be a hundred times worse if it were invisible? Uh, crowds. Crowds. <laughs> like oh yeah. Yeah. Crowds. Anyone. Yeah. That's you imagine you just like walking your skin like post <laughs> Yeah. And you wouldn't even know why, right? <laughs> no, you wouldn't. The, yeah. the, the top no. comment on the actual the top comment on Reddit was wasps, and I thought that was a great one too. That's like any not bad, but there. I mean a, a large congregation of just about anything. Once yeah. a congregation of something reaches a certain size, it goes invisible. That yeah. would be bad. And you just have no idea, you're just like yeah. driving yeah. through. Like a mosh pit of an invisible people, that would be super fun. <laughs> Thank you, Grace. Thank you, Grace. Thank you for sharing your perspective and answering our stupid question. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. All right. Hey, we have a couple of new sponsors this month, and we got to right. give a shout out to them for helping yeah. present What the Truck to You. With more than 1,500 maintenance bays offering light mechanical services and DOT inspections, Love Truck Care and Speedco are invested in getting your drivers back on the road quickly and safely. Learn more at Tell Em Dude. Hey, go to loves.com after this show, my friend. 
Hey, you hate your you hate your C-cap? You know I do. Your C-pap? You hate your C-pap? I hate it. I Head hate gear it. and claustrophobia are the number one reason C-pap users are not compliant, putting your CDL and your job at risk. If you haven't tried DreamPort by Bleep, you need to. DreamPort is the only clinically proven leak-free solution, only product made in the USA. Hey, probably easy to get because of the shipping crisis, too. Only yeah. headgear-free solution. No headgear, nothing in the nose. Look great and sleep comfortably. Covered by all insurance. It fits all machines. Better bleep and sleep to help you keep your CDL. Visit bleepsleep.com to find out why Dreamport is rated number one. Number one. All right, now we got Alan Adler here. Alan Adler is one of my favorite because he has a baseball collection. Hey, Alan. <laughs> it's right behind you, brother. You, you know, we tried to do this once upon a time. I had to sell my house and move to make this work for you. Now, you are, yeah, well, you know, you, we're, we're in competition now with the backgrounds ever since you made fun of my um, apartment when I had, when I was in that during no lockdowns last year before I got the house. But I got to ask you something. So we, we've covered this a little bit, but let's contain it inside this episode. You, how did you get into freight journalism? As I understand it, you were doing PR for uh, Big Motor beforehand. I was. Uh, but before I did that, I was in journalism and I actually was an automotive writer. I was the AP's uh, a national automotive writer for a couple of years. And I had been uh, with AP for about 14 years. Then I went to the Detroit Free Press uh, here locally as, uh, as an automotive writer, then spent 20 years, kind of a detour at General Motors. And finally, uh, when that ended, came back to journalism because I like it. I like it better. Thought the PR stuff was okay. I understand it. I think we did okay at it. But I think that my first love is is writing and reporting. And so the freight thing kind of came up interestingly because I was doing stuff closer to automotive. I had built a small freelance uh, book and it was growing a little bit and doing some different stuff. But then uh, a guy named Jerry Hirsch, who was a former LA Times reporter uh, who started a site called trucks.com, began... um, employing me in freelance and then ultimately hired me as a staffer there. That lasted about nine months. I didn't make him too mad at me, I don't think, but he lost an investor in the site. And so a lot of us got laid off. Um, Fortunately, the very next day, because I had reached out to Brian Strait, who I think follows me on this little um, J school you're having. He sure does. Uh, (laughs) Uh, I called Brian. I had met Brian on the road uh, a couple of times. And I said, hey, you got any freelance because I'm restarting my business. He said, I don't know. He said, maybe. He said, let me talk to some people. Well, the next day I get a call from Craig Fuller and we're talking for about 30 minutes. I had never talked to Craig before. And I said, well, so it sounds like maybe you have some freelance. He said, oh, no, no, no. I want to hire you. I want you to do exactly what you're doing for trucks.com. Just stay there. Keep doing it. And, you know, I'll get you with our with our folks this afternoon and we'll get you an offer. I was like, whoa, that was quick. That sounds very so, much like Craig Fuller. He, oh, yeah, he works. No, I mean, he works. Does. Quick. I have a it's very like, similar story to my own story. He gets it, right? Yeah, yeah sure does. Ellen, um, because I don't want to eat all of Brian's time, let's talk a little bit about what you do here now, though. So what's unique about covering auto and the emerging autonomous and electrification space that's going on? Well, what's unique, Dooner, is that I don't think anybody else is doing it, at least not in the sense that we're doing it. I mean, we're doing three, four you know, stories a week. We're spending a lot of time uh, traveling and visiting with these folks and getting in their trucks, especially on the autonomous side. Electrification uh, sort of coming. It's not, maybe not as exciting in a way because, uh, you know, the trucks are going to drive similarly, much more quietly, of course, but similarly to uh, to a, a, a standard truck. I think as we get deeper into this autonomous stuff that we have developed, I think for freight waves, uh, kind of a, 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 
expertise, if you will. Um, that's not meant to sound conceited, but simply if you put enough time into something, you're going to learn about it. And that's been my experience and ongoing experience. Interestingly, too, because all of these guys with you know, maybe the exception of Daimler Trucks are startup companies and startups, especially if they're in a SPAC, which is another area that we've sort of worked on uh, since being here at FreightWaves. Um, if they're in one of those arrangements, they're looking for attention and they want their story told. So, you know, if somebody's interested, then, of course, they're interested in you. So, Alan, hey, welcome to the show, by the way. Good Friday afternoon to you, sir. Hey, I um, know that guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> How are you, man? Uh, so you're, you're talking about people who want their story, story told. What about those that maybe don't want it told or not told, uh, you know, so in-depth, like uh, the, the Trevor Milton Nicola yeah, story? Yeah, how, how do you do that and do it fairly? Well, you know, I, I think I think we were fair to, to Nicola all, all the way through. I mean, you know, they were the first, as you probably remember, that got a lot of attention and a huge uh, run up in, in share value following the SPAC. Nobody knew really what a SPAC was. I'm sure people in Wall Street did. But but in general, people really didn't know what they were. Nicola was the first out of the gate on the electrification side. Uh, you know, Trevor Milton, and I will not speak ill of Trevor simply because he was a tremendous source of information. Now, was all that information true? As it turns out, it probably wasn't. But the fact is, he was accessible. He was, uh, uh, you know, fun. And he was also um, spinning a lot of stories that probably didn't end up being true. I think, you know, we tried to cover their news. Um, I think there were some even on this staff, we thought maybe we were a little easy on them. I don't think that's true. I think we tried to be fair with them. Uh, we did give them the benefit of the doubt. We're still doing that as recently as this morning in uh, in Truck Talk, the, the newsletter that I write every week or almost every week. And, uh, you know, interviewing Kim Brady, their CFO. Uh, you know, I tend to listen to what people tell me. I'll write it. If there's a reason to be skeptical of it, I'll try to be. And I'll try to provide perspective and context to what's being said. Um, but I don't think that we throw a lot of softballs here. I mean, we may not be, you know, in your face about things, but I think we try really hard to to get at the the meat of whatever the story is. When when Nicola went south, when Trevor was ousted, when Hindenburg wrote its uh, takedown on the company, we wrote it, and we wrote it. I think fine, and I think over time uh, we've missed a few balls here and there. But honestly, I think we've hit it pretty good with Nicola. And well, we Alan, do Alan, have a good Alan, I just got to say something yeah, here. Yeah, maybe, yeah, like, I don't think we're all soft around here. We did we did have him as our turkey of the year. For I was going to count that as being fair. We gave <laughs> yeah. him an award. Yeah, of course. We gave him an award. <laughs> yes, Who doesn't like awards? Got an award for his effort. Sometimes people yeah. pay money to get awards. Yeah, oh, yeah. And they brag you're, about you're, it on LinkedIn. It's not, I pay, tell you it's something. not pay to play here. Hey, let me tell you something here. You ever receive backlash for any of these things, though? You Do you need a security system oh, like Carissa was saying? I absolutely receive backlash. You know, it can be something as small as a misspelling. Um, but it can also be, uh, you know, something, you know, where I just screw up and I'm capable of doing that. I'm also unafraid to make corrections. Now, it's interesting in this in this world of being online, uh, you know, when I was at the AP, if you had a correction, it typically was a much bigger deal, you know, because we would correct things that were er facts and errors of fact. And that's what we do here. But we don't always have to make a big deal of it. I mean, you can in cycle, if you will, when the story's up, if you have a small change to make, you just make it and put it up. You don't you don't really call attention to it. If it's a bigger thing that you've messed up, uh, I got a I actually saw it in, in a reader comment the other day that I had attributed uh, the sale of, a, of an autonomous company called Automoto to the wrong company. And, you know, one of the readers pointed that out. I went in and fixed it, put an editor's note on it. 
Um, I didn't feel good about it, but you know what? We make mistakes and you've got to be honest about it and you've got to fix them. So I do get blowback occasionally, but honestly, it's usually not because of anything uh, with malice. Of course not. Of course not. Well, now answer our question without malice, our wheel of stupid question of the day. (laughs) What would be a hundred times worse if it were invisible? Um, I thought about this because I was watching the show. Don't say your hair, Alan. (laughs) No, it's not my hair. My my hair's beautiful, man. Come on. I I think, I think, I think, um, who makes them? Is it uh, Gino's pizza rolls? If you had a plate of Gino's pizza rolls and you couldn't see how many you had, that would be a problem. I guess so. You'd have to just like specifically Gino's. You'd have to pizza weigh. You'd, you really have to weigh things a lot. You'd be like a drug Michael? dealer pulling out your scale all the time. You know, just weighing the <laughs> Gino's pizza rolls. Hey, check out Alan Adler's. I don't agree with their portionality. Check out Alan Adler's stories on Freightways.com. He has that one we covered in the beginning of the show about uh, Lordstown and Foxconn. So yeah, absolutely. Go and look at it now. Let's talk to the granddaddy. It is Brian Strait. I believe this gentleman right here may be the first person to ever publish a news story to Freightways.com, if I am not mistaken. If not, he was the second. Uh, Brian, how's it going? I'm good, thanks. Nice. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be on What the Truck, finally. You have seen everything, Brian. You, Brian has been here since the very beginning of us being a media entity. Is that not true? It is true. And that first story got um, 26 views on that first story. And we were celebrating it. I remember watching uh, on, on the, the counter going, we got 20 people reading the story. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it's so difficult when you do it and you launch something and it's new. And, and you know, after two days, 26 people have read it and you look at it and say, geez, am I really doing the right thing here? Is, yeah. is this really what we want to do? Yeah, but it's a I'm good lesson too. I mean, it's a good. A lot of people they, you know, you, you encourage them to make media, especially in, in the social media age, and they get discouraged very quickly because they get twenty six views or one like or, or zero. Like, yeah. it's a long game. We've been doing this for years, you know. And, and the things you see, uh, information is very asymmetrical when you see it online or you see stories, things that go. Vi- you see them because a lot of people have liked them. You never see the person's post that got like zero likes, which happens to everybody as well, or the news story that just didn't take off on freeways.com, yeah, really which also, right. yeah. Which also happens. So tell us a little bit about that. Tell us the story of, of building um, FreightWaves.com out at first and bringing in some editorial and, and making it sort of in the direction and the trajectory that it went today. Well, it was, um, I mean, it, it was Craig's vision, Craig Fuller's vision, um, obviously. And we, we got started and I got started writing this stuff. And I think the, I think what we tried to do with it was just create great content, right? And, mm-hmm. and you know, I think that's the key to anything um, when you're talking editorial is you need to have great content. And, you know, I came from background. I had a journalism background. I'd worked in newspapers for years. Um, from there, I moved on to trade publications in the trucking industry. And I, I thought, and, and a lot of the trade publications do a really good job. And I, I think they're very good at covering the the what that goes on, you know, the new trucks, the new technologies that let you know that these things are there. And I, I think what we did was take that to a different level and kind of add some of that traditional mainstream kind of news coverage and and start answering the why and the people involved in it and um craig's told this story a bunch of times you know we were going along and 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 it was really cool every month to see the page views grow every month and grow and and it was in august you know he's made the note and he's joked about this that that the site really took off when i went on vacation um So uh, it happened to be I, I was taking a vacation for a week with my family, and I was I was quasi working, if you will. I mean, nobody ever takes a vacation, right? Anymore in these days. 
Um, and but the hurricanes, there were some hurricanes coming into the Gulf and, and Florida area, and we were able to get content. Craig wrote some of it, and and this contacts that we had, and he had and connected me with, and and we wrote stuff. And and through the, the month of August and into September, we were able to write stories that. I think we're different. It was more than just, hey, a hurricane is coming. It was, what does this mean for the industry? You know, how do you prepare? What do you need to do at this point? And it was beyond what others were doing um, in the space. And I think that really got us noticed. Um, no, hey, Brian, I, Brian, this is you're you're so right. Like Alan yeah. says, you recruited him over here, but FreightWaves.com is what recruited me. I was working for Aborn and Company, now known as Freight Plus, and I was doing news write-ups for them for their newsletter. And I remember just seeing FreightWaves. This was 2017, and just month over month, every time I was searching freight news, freight tech news, yeah. that kind of supply chain news, FreightWaves just kept going up and up and up the news listings. And I liked the look, and it looked more brash. And I was like you know what, one day I got to get over there. I got to plug into that amplifier. I think that they would let me do, because like you said, bringing in just mainstream appeal, like what every other media sites, freight sites just like ignored. They're like, everything must be solid B2B. Everything must be so stoic right. and boring and like, and by the book, instead of doing like what, you know, CNN or every or, or MSN or Fox News or what every single other news site does, which is have opinion stuff, have flashy stuff, surrounded by the stronger reporting in the financial markets and the business markets. So I think you did a wonderful job there. But now you're on another mission. You've launched a brand yes. new brand, Modern Shipper. What's that about? And how has it grown over how, how long? It's been maybe about a year now, maybe less. I don't know. It's hard to tell time uh, during the pandemic. Less. Uh, yeah, we, we launched officially in the middle of February. Um, with the brand, uh, we are focused with Modern Shipper on, on several different areas. But what we've really tried to do is take what we did with Freight Waves and extend it down through the supply chain and logistics networks down to the customer and the end customer. Um, so if, if you think, you know, when you go on Amazon, you hit that button, you buy an item, and then the driver delivers it to you, how is that process working? That, that's what we're trying to get to the direct to the consumer, a lot of the e commerce. Um, using utilizing the gig workers, the Uber drivers, Instacart, DoorDash people. Um, these people are becoming such an important part of the, the, the overall supply chain in this country. And I think we've all seen that from COVID, you know, right? Um, that, that we're really kind of hyper-focusing on that area of the supply chain and, and the industry. Um, and, that, and that's what Modern Shipper is about. Yeah, so Brian, let's take a, a blast from the past. I, I, I found this picture in my phone, if we could bring this up here and show it. Uh, <laughs> d one, do you remember this? And two, what was your impression after we all stole that uh, little uh, trike Rascal from you scooter? and, and rescue oh. scooter and started racing <laughs> yes. around? And this was from it's our very first racing. conference, by the way. This was our bit of conference, yeah. very first conference, by the way. Yeah, so it was the, the first conference we had. It was it was it the Atlanta. It was in Atlanta, right? I, I forget yes. what the, the name of the place was, but um, yeah, just a few weeks before that, I was helping coach my sons. Actually, it was about three months before that, and I, being a man, um, didn't want to get help. Um, I had, was helping coach my son's baseball team, and I was teaching the kids how to run around the bases, and I fell rounding first base, and I tore tendons <laughs> At first in my base? foot. <laughs> didn't even make yes. it to second. All right, I didn't even make it to second. Um, so uh, my son, now my son bans me. I, I can't run bases anymore and I do anything athletic, he says um, at this point. But um, so, I, you know, I wasn't going to miss the conference. It was our first conference. So I rented a little electric scooter to get around because I couldn't put any weight on the foot after surgery. 
Yeah. Um, and then Vincent and uh, you know a bunch of other guys they stole the scooter and were racing around the circle in the conference and, and had races and timed each other to see who could get around the uh, the circular area quickest. <laughs> you know, he should have re- you should have reached out to Dave Grohl. He could have given you the rock throne that he seems to give to everybody with a with a broken wheel. <laughs> Ryan Straight, um, thank you so much for following Craig's vision and helping set the foundation on this team. Thank you, listeners, for hearing about the journalistic process that we have over here at Freightways and meeting yes. some of our great reporters. Those are the those. Those are the words a lot of times you're hearing in our news section are those great people. Hey, if you want to come work at Freightways, one of the best ways to do is start making your own content, too. Share it with us. That's how I got here. That's how Grace got here. Yeah. This guy got here by selling sonar, so that can work for you, too. That can work. Either way, join the team. Everybody, have a fantastic weekend. You can find me at Timothy Dooner on uh, Twitter. You can find him at Vincent the Dude. Download the show wherever you get podcasts and catch us Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at noon Eastern time. Ocean Waves coming up October 6th, live.freightwaves.com to register. Tell them how to be hey, this weekend. Peace and love. Spread it everywhere, my friends.